Hello, my name is Wayne McGahee, the third host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. It's been a little bit. Hurricane Michael came through, knocked out power. I did some hurricane coverage for the Tallahassee Democrat during the week and didn't uh, didn't have a podcast from Wednesday on. I apologize for that, but sometimes real life gets in the way. So I appreciate all of your patience. If you're a returning listener, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me over the past the past month. It's been really amazing, and uh, I just want to say thank you. If you're a new listener and you don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State for each of the last four years. I started out as an intern on the NoLDigest.com on the Scout Network, and I worked my way up to the publisher of that site, and then I got the job with the Democrat in August of 20, uh, 2016. So I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting football. Every home, away, bowl game, doesn't matter. If Florida State's putting putting the pads on and the media's allowed there, I'm there. Cover every practice that's available. Uh, every time Willie Taggart speaks to the media, every time a player speaks to the media, anything that goes on around the football program, I'm there for. Baseball, I cover every baseball home game as well as any postseason baseball games. I was out in Omaha for the 2016 College World Series when Florida State made it out there. And Florida State had their first scrimmage of fall of the fall today against Ontario. Ontario. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Not too much, just a little bit because that, that game's always weird. Florida State was batting 10 guys uh, instead of, you know, the regular nine. But <clears throat> uh, basketball cover every basketball home game as well as any postseason basketball games. I was out in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run this past season, and I was in Orlando for Florida State's uh, first NCAA tournament berth in four years last season. So I cover, I also cover recruiting and any major and minor recruiting events like that. I was over at Basketball Today speaking with assistant head coach Stan Jones as well as forward slash center uh, Fiondu Cabangeli about just what his role will be this season. So we'll talk a little bit about that and the basketball team coming up as well as just a little bit about the baseball team and we'll go from there. But, you know, Florida State returned to practice on Saturday after the hurricane. Most of the team made it back. One player that didn't was Janarius Robinson. He's from Panama City Beach and they lost, uh, his family lost their home in, in the hurricane. So keep him in your thoughts along with every other person that's been affected by this by this storm. It was truly a devastating storm here in the Panhandle and the Big Bend area. You know, Tallahassee got lucky. We didn't really have too much damage, but you know, further west from us in, in the in the Panhandle was was devastated. So just keep uh, keep all those people in your thoughts, and we'll hope that things get. They, they can pick up the pieces soon. Um, it's it's going to be a long process. But we talked to Willie Taggart today, and there's some things of note that are in there uh, that he talked about. But the one thing that jumped out to me that annoyed me to no end, and I already wrote about it today, if you follow me on the uh, at the Democrat, I already wrote about it today. It was the ACC's response to Willie Taggart's uh, just to try and figure out what happened on the illegal forward pass play that was called an illegal forward pass that took a touchdown off the board it would have put Florida State up 13. Um, and on it, I'm sure that every Florida State fan that's listening to this remembers that play, right? I'm sure that everyone 
<laughs> has watched that play many a time. But on the sidelines after that play happened, an official told Willie Taggart that it wasn't even close, and that's why they didn't they didn't send it up for review. That it wasn't even close. That's ridiculous in the first place. We talked a little bit about it last week. That is absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't get any closer than that. And in fact, it's 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 more the other way than it is a forward pass. You know, if if you go back and watch it, where DeAndre Francois releases the ball is closer to the forty four than the forty five. And you look where DJ Matthews catches the ball, not not where. Not where he, he was, because he was past the 50. He reached inside the 45. Uh, he was, wasn't past the 50, I'm sorry. He's past the 45. He reaches inside and grabs the ball just inside the uh, the 45. The ball where DeAndre Francois releases the ball, because that's what counts. It doesn't matter where DeAndre's standing. It matters where he's releasing the ball, was just inside the 44. Sounds pretty much like a lateral to me, Right? It looks like a lateral. It, it, yeah. So, you, you, Willie Taggart sent it off because he had questions about what they did wrong. Basically, he was looking for a response on why the officiating, the officiating crew, um, didn't send it up for review. And his the the ACC's response, according to Willie Taggart today, was that there was no indisputable evidence. So. There was no indisputable evidence that it was a lateral. There was no indisputable evidence that it was a forward pass. Sounds like something that somebody should be reviewing. Sounds like something that somebody should be looking at. I don't know. That's that's what it sounds like to me. And the ACC's response was gutless. I mean that 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 is what it is. They're not going to issue an official response to it. They're not going to you know they're not going to do anything to the officials. It's I mean, it's just, it's atrocious. It's it's the ACC as we've known it. If, if you followed Florida State football for any period of time, you know that the ACC has, uh, has some of the worst officials in college football. The Pac-12 might have taken the cake with what happened the other day in the, in the, the targeting call that was re- reversed by someone who has absolutely no officiating experience in the box. So the Pac-12 might have, have jumped ahead on that, but the ACC has some of the worst officials in college football, and this crew, the the fact that it wasn't reviewed. Now, I can understand, right? I can understand getting it wrong on the field. That happens. Like, that, that's going to happen. I can understand it. What I can't understand is why, if it's indisputable evidence, which the ACC says, then why was it not looked at? Why wasn't it reviewed? I... I don't understand, and it's basically the ACC that their response to that situation was was gutless, and it basically they put protecting the officials that they put on the field over the integrity of the ACC. That's that was basically their response. I it was it's it's a completely ridiculous response, and it's something that yeah the the ACC is known for doing. They're known for having horrible officials. I mean, the fact that Jeff Flanagan still has a job is quite ridiculous. Uh, this was not Jeff Flanagan. This was Jeff Heiser. And it was... Man, it, there were a lot of bad calls in that game. Going, you know, going both ways. But 
this call right here changed the entire layout of the game. I'm not going to say that Florida State would have won because at that point, you know, we don't know what would have happened because Miami would have had to to probably throw some more. Um, they, there were still 14 minutes left. We don't know what happened. But what we do know is that Miami scored the very next drive and took a one-point lead, and then that was it. Instead of Florida State being up 13, they were down one. Now, Florida State still had their opportunities, and that's, I mean, it's... That play wasn't, you know, Florida State still had their opportunity on that drive. That play wasn't what cost Florida State the game, but it sure as hell changed the layout of the game. It took away any and all momentum that Florida State had. And that there's no denying that. We don't know what would have happened after that. But Florida State being up 13 is a heck of a lot better than being up 6. So, it was... The response from the ACC, as far as Willie Taggart, what Willie Taggart told us, is unacceptable. I mean, it, it, there's nothing that Florida State can do in that situation. There's nothing that the fans can do. It, there's nothing. I mean, the ACC basically controls it. And it's it's a ridiculous response. It's a gutless response. And it's something that you know, I felt... You know, I, I felt strongly enough about that I wanted to write about it and I wanted to talk about it today because it's gutless. And I'm just, you know, it, it is, I mean, it's par for the course with the, uh, with the officials in the ACC. So we're going to get in the second segment talking about what else Willie Taggart said today. I'm sorry for the rant, guys. I'm sure that some of you are tired of hearing about that play and just want to kind of put that game out of your memory. Uh, we'll be doing that. We won't be talking about it again on this podcast. That'll be the last you hear of it. So we'll get into the second segment in just a minute. But before we do that, we all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on the Knolls. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders or $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, that's locked on, all capitalized, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we go into the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about what Willie Taggart said. Uh, what else Willie Taggart said today, um, other than the officiating stuff? But <clears throat> the one, like the biggest issue, or that Taggart addressed today, is that Landon Dickerson is not available to play, and they're not really sure if he's going to be able to play. Um, you know, anytime soon, he he might. He has an ankle injury. It's not the same ankle injury that he suffered against against Virginia Tech, but it is an injury to his ankle, and it's unclear if he's going to be able to play the rest of the season at this point. Willie Tiger did not seem confident when he was talking about it today, and that really affects the offensive line. Um, we after after Tuesday, it looked like Florida State was preparing not to have him. Not to have him for a while. Derek Kelly was working in as the starter at left tackle. Brady Scott was back to right tackle. The interior of the offensive line remained the same with Cole Minshew, Alec Everly, and Mike Arnold. We'll have to wait until tomorrow to see 
exactly you know what the offensive line looks like this coming week against Wake Forest, but it's safe to assume that Florida State is trying to find a different option at left tackle, and they're moving Derek Kelly, who started at guard and right tackle already this season, to left tackle. So we're going to have to wait and see how that works out. Kelly did not look completely healthy against Miami. He got subbed in, then got subbed out. But Florida State did have an extra bye week for him to get healthy, and will you know, he won't have played for, for another two weeks before he gets back on the field against Wake Forest. So there's time for him to uh, to heal up a little bit more. But Kelly was a good tackle in 2015 before he tore his ACL, and then he's been a guard ever since, and then he played right tackle for a couple weeks. Uh, Samford and Syracuse before coming in at guard, or I'm sorry, coming in at tackle in against uh, against Miami. So he's... He's a versatile offensive lineman, but he hasn't really regained the form that he had in 2015 when he was playing right tackle as a redshirt freshman. He actually played very well um, in the time that he had there, but it's we're going to have to wait and see if he can take and and move a little bit better than he has at guard because that's kind of been one of his biggest issues is that he's not exactly the most mobile guy anymore. Um, but he is one of Florida State's most experienced offensive linemen. He's 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 going to be disciplined and you know that, that at that point at this point Florida State is going is going to have to continue to try and find the best five to get on the field and with Brady Scott moving back to right tackle he hasn't he hasn't been great at tackle right but he's was the third string center coming into the season you know Florida State Florida State doesn't really have any more options. He hasn't been great, but he's been serviceable. And that's what Florida State needs right now. They need to, to find somebody that can just go in there and do and just do the job. Like Abdul Bello and Juwan Williams are clearly not able to go in and do the job right now. So Florida State had to put Brady Scott in the lineup. And he's played fairly well, all things considered, um, from that position. But he's much better at right tackle than he was at left tackle. So Florida State's trying to find someone who who can fill in at the left tackle role, and that seems to be Derek Kelly. Coach Taggart went on to say, um, I asked him how his team responded during the bye week because we didn't really get to see it uh, too much. We got to saw, see a little bit of practice on Monday and Tuesday, but didn't really get to see it the rest of the week. Just how the team responded from you know, the gut-wrenching loss. Florida State blew a 20-point lead to, to Miami, and... He said that he thought the team responded well. They bounced back. They had the right mentality, and it didn't seem like they were down on themselves. Uh, we could kind of get that last week. There was a little bit of shell shock after the game. And everybody was upset, but I didn't get the feeling last week that that had rolled over. And I think that you know, Florida State players still realize that there's still you know stuff to play for. If they beat Wake Forest and they can find a way to beat Boston College, or and then find a way to beat either. Florida or NC State, yeah, they, this this team can still go to a bowl game. It won't be a great bowl game, but after the way things started in the first three weeks, going to a bowl game seemed like wasn't going to happen. So, you know, if if they can keep the right mindset and keep going and go out and get a win this week against Wake Forest, it's going to be it'll be absolutely huge for what uh, you know for for the the confidence because this team has been getting better. I I do believe that Miami was the best game that they played overall, despite the second half offensive issues. 
it, it, I think I do believe that it was the best that the the team as a whole had played. But you know, there's still a long way to go before Florida State gets back to any type of national relevance at this point. But getting to a bowl game is what Florida State has to play for right now. And the the schedule is going to be tough. I mean, it's 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 one of the toughest remaining schedules, if not the toughest remaining schedule in college football. And, and, you know, there's two undefeated teams on there. And Florida State has to go on the road for one of them. So it's we're going to have to wait and see how Florida State handles that. But it looked like they handled the adversity of the Miami loss coming in uh, fairly well. So Taggart also talked about how he thought that the running game improved against Miami. And I agree. I, I do think that it was the best uh, rushing performance that Florida State had. The offensive line were opening up some holes against a very good Miami defensive line and, and front seven. And a very good Miami run defense. And they were opening up some holes. And the, the backs were running well. Uh, they, I mean, it wasn't great. But it was better than it had been. And that's what, I mean, basically that's, that's where Florida State football is at right now. It's not going to get better overnight, right? There's so many issues, the offensive line being a key issue, and there's so many issues that just aren't going to get better immediately. But it's all about getting better every game and trying to in trying to fix some of the things that they can fix this year. And one of those was the running backs just not not finding their their role in the in the offense or finding their role in the rushing game. Uh, Taggart was saying that he thought that they or that the running backs are starting to understand the blocking schemes and setting up the blocks like they were capable of. I thought Cam Akers had his best day. I talked about that last week, but they were running hard. They ran north south. They started, and Taggart believes they're starting to understand the blocking schemes and set it up. So it's if that can continue and the running backs get on board, this offense will continue to get better. It's already gotten a little bit better over the past few weeks. The second half was a bit of a setback. I'm not going to lie. Florida State gained 45 yards. But you know the, the first half was, was much better than it had been. So there's some positive, positive things to build on from that. It looks like Florida State's going to go about it that way. Um, one of the Willie Taggart was asked about the about the recruiting uh, that they were able to do last week and how he how he still sells his message for the program despite Florida State really struggling through the first six games. And he said that you know this isn't they they talk to players during the season, but it's not like that you know they can go out and recruit every weekend. That just doesn't happen during college football season. But they talk to the player the recruits during the season and they explain to them why Florida State is struggling and how they can help so it's it's an issue where you know some players who want to play early are going to look at this and be like I can come in and help Florida State get back whereas some players are going to be like I want to go to a team that's going to win it just it's what Florida State was recruiting against a lot of the time when it was when it was in the the past like decade when it, Florida State was on the run right when when Florida State was winning a national championship going to New Year's six bowl games winning ten games a year play you know some players wanted to come in and play immediately and at a lot of positions they couldn't do that at Florida State but you know other teams could offer that so players went there there's also teams that Florida State got because they wanted to be a part of a winning team. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, it, it it's all about give and take. There's 
there's guys out there that are going to want to play for a team where they can come in and play immediately and get and be the be the spark that gets Florida State back to back to national relevance. So that was what Willie Taggart talked about today. He <clears throat> will get to talk to the offensive coaches, or uh, we'll talk to offensive players and offensive coordinator Walt Bell tomorrow, and then we'll get to talk to the defensive coaches or the <clears throat> defensive coaches. Again, sorry. Uh, the defensive players and defense coordinator Harlem Barnett on Wednesday. And then we'll talk to Willie Taggart again on Thursday. So we'll have a pretty full week going on with the podcast. In the next segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about the basketball team and what's what's going on there. And then a little bit about what I saw at the baseball scrimmage today. Um, but before before we get into that. Are you sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch when all you want to do is watch Florida State win? Then Sling TV is the best way to watch college football without all those extra channels. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. It's $30 a month and you get ESPN, Pac-12, the SEC Network. When the ACC Network rolls out, I imagine they'll have that too. And... You can stream it on your big screen and all your favorite devices. So Sling TV gives you the TV you love, the live TV you love, only better. So sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Locked On listeners can get their seven-day free trial train going by going to sling.com forward slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com forward slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And thanks for sticking with me as we head into the final segment. I really do appreciate you guys for uh, for sticking with me through this. But the the basketball team is underway in fall in fall practice. The season starts November sixth against Florida. It's it's a heck of a way to start a season off. It's going to be a fun game. Florida State's won the last four matchups. Phil Kofer is looking for his fifth win against Florida. He's never lost to the Gators, um, and but. Florida State will hold its first exhibition of the season on October 26th, the day before Florida State football plays Clemson at 6 p.m. at the Tucker Civic Center. The second exhibition will be against Valdosta State on Thursday, November 1st. So basketball is coming up fast. Florida State's fresh off in the lead eight run. I was out there. I got to see every minute of it. It was awesome. It was fun to watch. Uh, that team was fun, and most of it is coming back intact. And there's a lot to like about this Florida State team. And I do believe that Leonard Hamilton believes that every scholarship player that's available this season can help him win. Every single one. The, the, the guys who redshirted last year, the players that they, they brought in from transfer, the guys that they have returning. This is going to be a fun, fun team to watch. It's going to be a little, a little bit different. Um, and I'll be uh, writing a story about that later this week, about how the emergence of Fiondo Coppengilly as a center... In, in some of Florida State's uh, offensive sets and defensive sets can is, go, is going to allow Florida State to do so much more on the offensive end rather than having a Chris Kamaji who's 7-4 or an Ike Obiaga who is no longer on the roster. It's, it's going, you know, Florida State's not going to be, not going to have as great an opportunity like as a rim protector because Ike is gone, but Fiondo's a good rim protector, a good rebounder, and he's aggressive, but he's also a guy that can step out on offense and step out and shoot a mid-range shot, shoot a three. He's gonna he's gonna open up opportunities for the Florida State guards when Florida State's will uh, wants to get out there and stretch the field. We saw a little bit of that last year, 
and it's it's going to really open up this Florida State offense, I believe. Um, I really like what I've seen from Raekwon Gray. I think uh, he redshirted last year. He's dropped 40 pounds since he got to Florida State. 40. And he is like a lightning bolt. I mean, he's still a big guy, but man, he, big guys like him shouldn't move that fast. He, he's fun to watch. He can shoot the ball. He's He's got to work on finishing around the rim, but man, he can get to the rim. It's just... Uh, He's he, he's he's going to be a special kid to watch. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do, and I'm also looking forward to watching Trent Forrest lead this offense and lead the defense. You know, with him in the starting role, Florida State was so much better last year, especially once he got healthy in tournament time. And if Trent Forrest can stay healthy through the whole season, I do I really like what Florida State has coming back. Phil Kofer's obviously back. Terrence Mann's back. PJ Savoy's back. MJ Walker's back. There's a lot coming back for Florida State, and there's a lot to like about this this basketball team. In baseball today, got to get a look at uh, some of the new guys. Nando DeSantis, who was a top 20 prospect that made it to Florida State, was playing shortstop. He had a double off the wall in right. It was, I mean, just a really smooth, smooth swing. Yeah, you know, Florida State's he's going to be Florida State's starting uh, starting shortstop. Mike Salvatore is moving over to second. That's how it was today, and it's it's going. This this lineup's a lot different, a lot different than what we saw the past few years. A lot of the guys are gone. Cal Raleigh's gone. Jackson Luke's gone. Red Applin's gone. You know, Tyler Holton's gone. Cole Sands is gone. It's. It's a it's a completely different lineup from what we've seen. Drew Mendoza does return. I mentioned Salvatore. Um, uh, Reese Albert is back again. J.C. Flowers is back. You know, for his defense, if not his offense. But there's a lot to like about what Florida State has coming back on this roster. So th- there's a lot to like about the new guys too. Another guy that was an LSU commit that back, that ended up signing with Florida State instead. Uh, Elijah Cabell, he took in, he had a triple to uh, right uh, to left center today, and he moves pretty well for a big guy. He's going to pl- he's probably going to play right field, maybe left field for Florida State. He's a guy that's going to go up there, and he's going to swing at pretty much everything at this point. Uh, that's what he does. He, he's a free swinger, and when he connects, the ball goes a long way. Wouldn't be surprised to see him end up with double digit home runs and a ton of strikeouts this year. You know, obviously Mike Martin Jr is going to try to change that, make him uh, make him a better as you know as far as identifying pitches, but he's a he's a free swinger right now. So that'll do it for for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. We'll be back talking about more baseball and basketball and football. Uh, tomorrow, probably not more basketball and baseball tomorrow. We'll talk more about football and what happened at practice. And we'll talk a little bit about Wake Forest, but we'll get back into baseball and basketball. Uh, maybe later in the week, Florida State baseball has its second scrimmage against Jacksonville on Friday. So we'll be at that to, you know, go watch and, uh, and see how they play against an actual, you know, college baseball team. So, but that'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I really appreciate you guys sticking with me and all the support that I've gotten. Remember to keep uh, keep the panhandle and all the people affected by Hurricane Michael in your thoughts. And have a wonderful day.